Amen, amen. I want to ask uh, George, it's funny because everything today is just about building healthy families, building healthy families. Can you share your vision of the church for those who are new today, those who come you know, here for the first time? Just share your vision, vision of the church and why. You know, yeah, why? Amen. Well, Lou, Lou just asked me how come you know, we, we reached out. And I just want you to know, if you don't know, we were uh, a lot of this team, we were a youth ministry team. So we worked with young people for about 11 years. And in those 11 years, if there's one thing that we discovered working with teens, is that to get kids in their teens, it's already too late. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Right? It's already, there's been so much damage done, so much has happened already, they've experienced so much, and so we started feeling in our hearts that God wanted us to deal with them even before teens. And so we said we have to somehow reach the family. And so... Thus became the birth of this church. We wanted to build healthy families. And so we, we knew that that had to start in the home. We knew that that had to, had to begin before we got these, these troubled young people. Because trust me, we had some troubled young people. Amen? It's a sad, it's a sad thing, but we, we wanted to get to their homes. We wanted to be able to, to minister to the family. We wanted to be able to build a healthy family so that these young people, when they're in their teens, they'd be strong enough to make good choices. They'd be, they'd be you know, um, enlightened enough. They'd have the wisdom to make, to make right decisions. Amen? And so that's kind of how, that's the, the vision and that's kind of where, where we started with all of this. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. So yeah, so with that being said, the title of today's message, it starts at home. All right? It starts at home. <clears throat> for the first few, you know, minutes, I'm going to share a story with four guys. All right? If you uh, heard of One Five Revolution, that's the name of the youth ministry in our church here. One Five Revolution. Basically, One Five Revolution came from this uh, chapter right here. It's Daniel chapter 1. It came from this story. Okay? So you got your Bibles, you could bring it out. Google, I mean, not Google, I mean, on your Android or your phone, pop it up on your phone. All right, I'm going to read it from starting at verse 1. It was the third year of King, I'm not going to pronounce the name, I'm going to say J, all right, in Judah, when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon declared war on Jerusalem and besieged the city, the master landed King J of Judah over to him, along with some of the furnishings of the temple of God. Nebuchadnezzar took King yeah, took king and furnishings to the country of Babylon, the ancient Shinar. He put the furnishings in the sacred church treasury. The king told Ashpenaz, head of the palace staff, to get some leaders from the royal family and nobility. Young men who were healthy, handsome, intelligent, well-educated, good prospect for leadership positions in the government. Perfect specimens. And indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language, and the law of magic and fortune-telling. The king ordered that they be served from the, best, from, the, from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the best wine. After years to come in training, they were to be put in position. All right? They were supposed to be put in position and be put in position the government and to serve in the Babylonian country. You know? So there was these four young men. All right, I'm going to have the four young men that I asked to come up. If you could come up real quick here. Four young men. One of them was Daniel. One was Hananiah. The other one was Mishael. And the other one was Azariah. All right? You, come, you could come over here. Come over here. Come over, come over. There's one missing. Where's, 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 there's one missing here. Abdiel. 
See? Oh, okay, all right, cool, cool. So let's start with the first one, right? The first one, come this way. His name was Daniel, right? So Daniel's name means God is judge, right? And Ashpenaz, he changed his name. He changed his name to Belteshazzar, which is whom Baal favors. That was the God in the Babylonian time. So whom Baal favors. So Daniel's name was changed from a godly name, right, to an ungodly, uh, another God's name. So it went from God is judge to whom Baal favors. So already, you know, once, once you know, the, the, um, uh, Israel got captured by Babylon, they took these four young men, the best of the best, those who were in position, those who, who were smart, who were intelligent, who had skills, who could, are quick learners, who are handsome. They took the best of the best, right? They took them over and they changed the name. Yes, handsome, intelligent, right? Smart, right? Skilled. So they took the best of the best. And the first thing they did when they took them, these are young men. I'm not talking about, you know, people in their 20s or 30s. No, they were like 14, 15 years old. All right? So they took the, the young, the best of the best, and they changed their name. That was the first thing they did. They changed their name, right? So Daniel went from, you know, from Daniel to Belteshazzar. The next, we had Hananiah, which is Lord is gracious. So his name meant Lord is gracious. And he changed from Hananiah to Shadrach, which is the sun god. He was illuminated by the sun god. So they changed his name. They went from Lord is gracious to my son is a sun god. I mean, my God is a sun god. I'm illuminated by the sun god. So already they're changing his name. They're trying to change their identity, who they are, the God that they serve. They're trying to indoctrinate them, right? So Hananiah went to Shadrach, you know, and they changed his name. Name was Shadrach, you know. Thank you, Shadrach. All right, next was Mishael. It sounds so Spanish. I know I'm saying in Spanish, you know, Mishael. Oh, yeah, ven para you know. So his name, right? meant who is what God is. Isn't that powerful? Like, who is what God is? You know, it's like God has so much swag. He's, he's cool like that. I am that I am. That's it. I am God, and that's it. You know, who is what God is? Isn't that powerful? Nobody can compare to God. His wonderful, his, his graciousness, his power. His, it, he could be a lion, and he could be a lamb at the same time. Who is what God is? Right? So that was Mishael's, you know, name. That's what it meant. And back in the days, you know, your name meant a lot, you know. So his name went from who is what God is to Meshach, which is goddess of love. I'm like, huh? What? How you go from like to chill? Who is what God is to a goddess of love? You know, like, I don't know. I find that so, I don't know, weak or whatever the case may be. So Mishael was changed. You know, they changed his name, trying to change his background, his identity. Say, so, you know what? Your goddess is love is Venus or whatever it is. You know, so they changed Mishael's name to Meshach. Thank you. And last, we got Azariah, which is the Lord is my help. Okay? So his name meant the Lord is my help. Nobody else, not Baal, not Bel, not, 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 not anybody else, but the Lord. The Lord is my God. So his name was changed to Abednego, which is servant of Nego. That was another God in their times. So Abednego, I always thought it was Abednego, but I just read, I'm like, wow, it's Abednego. So, so Abed uh, is servant, and then Ego is the, the, the god of their time. So their names were changed. That was the first thing. When they captured Israel, thank you guys. You guys can have a seat real quick. So the first thing that happened when they captured the Israel, 
they change their names. They try to change their identity. They try, they try to change who they serve, the God that they serve. They said they indoctrinate. They were trying to indoctrinate them, teaching beliefs that were contrary to what they believed. And this world, Babylon is this world. It's not the place we live in, but a system, a way of doing things. And we, you know, they try and indoctrinate, indoctrinate us and teach us things that are contrary to the word of God. And tell us things that are not true. The next thing they did, right? If we go back, it said that they took these young men and put them in a school for three years. They were 14, 15. So it kind of sounds like high school. If you're 14 years old, going to school for like three years. Back in the days, it was three years. In that country, it's three years. Here, it's four years. If I can have now, just come to the front and you get up here. There you go. Thank you. You know, so they went to school for three years. They taught them the Babylonian language, which is not a bad thing. How, you know, how to speak the Babylonian language, you know, the literature. They taught them fortune telling, magic, all this other stuff. And if, I'm not sure if you know, but fortune telling is not of God. Going to a psychic to get a word. Oh, let me see what my, what, 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 what my future holds. Talking to dead spirits, having, you know, dead spirits talk and, 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 and yes, you know what? Sometimes when they come and you're, you may go to one, they may bring up the past, but they can't tell you the future because the enemy knows your past. Enemy knows what happened in your past, but they can't tell you your future. Deuteronomy 18.10 says God hates it. Don't go to fortune tellers. Don't go to psychics, astrologers, look up the horoscope. Okay, today I'm going to find love. Today I'm going to get money. I'm going to get the right connection today. Always in the horoscope, Capricorn, all this other stuff. No. No, no. Don't turn to that. God hates that stuff. You want to know what's your future? Get in the word. You want to know what's your future? What God has in, has in store for you? Get in his face. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in the future. So get in his face. Get in his word. Don't go to fortune tellers, psychic. You got the Long Island medium, right? You know, seven people. So I've seen it before where, you know, Supposing people come, you know, from, you know, from the grandmother's dead and says this and this and that. That's all. That's all evil. That's all Satan. That's all, all of that stuff. Don't think it's, oh, God is telling me, through, speaking to me through the psychic. No, that's Satan. That's why God hates it so much. So back to this. So they were teaching them all this stuff. They took them to school. They teach them stuff that's contrary to the word of God. So I'm going to show you a quick skit right here, a quick thing right here, all right, of what happens now. When we send our children to school, what are they learning in school? It's going to be a quick thing. He's going to go over real quick. Welcome, class. Welcome. I'm Professor Mendacity, Mendel for short. And today's course, the course for the year, it's going to be broken down into two parts. It is the origins of all life and sex. So you'll probably you'll get the syllabus on your blackboard. You can check. But we have evolution as the unifying foundation of all biological sciences, how evolution connects all biological sciences. The myth of creation and creationism, how, how to speak to creationists, how they like to talk about God and stuff. Understanding Dzanski's maxim, nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. That is the first part of this course. You will be doing a paper which will be 20% of your entire grade for that first part. The second part is the evolution of sexuality, the myth of Adam and Eve. Gender as a species without one true gender, how humanity wasn't made for just two genders. We have multiple genders. And finally, the last part is going to be 
lesbianism, homosexuality, bisexuality, and transgenderism as a biological and evolutionary necessity. So that will count for about another 20%. The other 30 is going to be in the form of three tests and class participation. So again, check your syllabus when you get home. It's on your blackboard. Thank you. You guys can have a seat now. So basically, they're being taught evolution. They're being taught about homosexuality. Of course, you know evolution, that things just came together, things just evolved. If you can stick around here real quick. You can have a seat here, baby. You can have a seat. Join me. I may have not read because my throat is bothering me. See, I've been coughing. But, um, but, yeah, so basically evolution, you know, things just came together. Things just happened. They don't believe God created stuff. That's what's being taught. I'm sure you probably taught that in school. Um, I was taught really quick. I forgot that was so many years ago. But, you know, you talk that in school. You talk about sexual education. You know, yes, they teach about yeah, the abstinence is the best way, you know, to, to prevent pregnancy, but they don't preach about or talk about, you know what, abstinence is it. That's it. You know, stay, keep pure. But they'll teach, oh, um, you know, there's some uh, contraceptives, there's condoms, instead of just sticking to, you know, just straight up abstinence, you know. So they're being such stuff that's contrary to the word of God. Even the, the kids they hang out with, you know, they're being bombarded, you know, with, 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 with uh, you know, stuff that's contrary about sex, about this, about that. So they're being taught that. I'm going to have you come up and, and read if you don't mind. I remind my assistant here today. All right, cool. You could just read up right there, starting there. But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. All right, cool. Thank you. Oops, sorry. So the first thing they did again was that they changed the name, right? Trying to change their identity. Second thing they did, they sent them to a school, trying to indoctrinate them, teach them the beliefs. The third thing they did was serve them the best food of the best food. The best filet mignon, the best lobster, the best, I mean, benin, arroz con gandule. I mean, you picture it. I mean, I, I love ham with the pineapples and the cherry. You know, if you've been on a cruise, the cruise, they give you five-star food. So, Mia, don't get me talking. If I start talking about food, I, I won't stop. So I got to stop while I'm ahead. You know, I love food. I love to eat. But, you know, they give them the best of the best food, the best wine. I mean, top-notch. Right? He said, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to eat that food. I'm not going to eat it. I can't. I can't define myself. I can't make myself unclean. He's like, but why? How are you going to be unclean? It's just food. It's just filet mignon. It's just lobster. No, because that food was sacrificed to another God. That food was sacrificed to an idol. And God is not having that. So when you eat food that was sacrificed to another God, another idol, it's, uh-uh. it's no good. It makes, it makes you unclean. So that's why... Daniel said, I'm not having it. I'm not going to eat it. So I'm happy to come up again real quick. <clears throat> you can stay next to me here. So he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. The head of the palace staff, by God's grace, liked Daniel, but he warned him. I'm afraid of what my master, the king, will do. He is the one who assigned this diet, and if he sees that you are not as healthy as the rest, he'll have my head. But Daniel appealed to a steward who had been assigned by the head of the palace staff to be in charge of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Try us out for ten days on a simple diet of vegetables and water. Then compare us with the young men who eat from the royal menu. Make your decision based on the basis of what you see. The steward agreed to do it and fed them vegetables and water for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better and more robust than all the others who had been eating from the royal menu. 
So the steward continued to exempt them from the royal menu of food and drink and serve them only vegetables. That's good. Thank you. So you got that? Woo! Move over here. So you got that? They said, I'm not going to eat it. They said, you know what? Test me for 10 days. Let me just have vegetables, and I bet you we'll look way better than the guys that you have eating the best food. So he was like, you know what, man? I don't know, bro, because if, if and, and you know, he, he, they, you know, he really liked Daniel. He was like, you know what? I don't know, man. If, 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 I, tell the kid, if I tell the people, if you don't eat that food, they're probably going to cut your head. You're going you're gonna to die. He was like, you know what? Just ask anyway. Don't worry about it. Ask. So he asked, and God gave Daniel favor. And the king was like, you know what? All right, cool. Eat what you want to eat. You want to eat the vegetables? Eat the, veg- eat, the ve- eat the vegetables. So 10 days later, when they came back, they looked way better than the men who were eating the royal food. So they decided not to defile themselves. God gave them wisdom, and they ate the regular food. And to go on forward, skip a few, you know, they, they, you know um, uh, there were some dreams that the king had. Daniel interpreted them. And to skip to chapter 3, there was this one time where the king ordered everybody to come together. Right? Everybody, all the fish shoes, every race, every color, everything. The King Nebuchadnezzar built a big statue about 90 feet high. Right? He built it. He was like, you know what? I want everybody, when you hear the music, I want you to get on your knees and bow down. Right? So everybody was there. So what happens? The music starts playing. The, the, you know, the bagpipes, whatever they had back in the day, the drums, the cymbals starts playing. Everybody kneels down except for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And what would happen if they weren't to bow down? They stood up. They were going to get killed. So there was these, 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 these sorcerers, these magicians that looked up and saw three guys standing out of everybody that was there. There were three guys that said, you know what? I'm not going to bow down to this idol. I'm not going to bow down to it. That's not my God. That's not the God I serve. And they stood up. And what happened? They got snitched on. You know why, y'all? King, yo, guess what happened? This dude never got up. I mean, he never kneeled down. He just stood standing. These three guys. King was upset. like, what? Bring him over here. It was Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And what happened? He's like, you know what? You don't want to bow down? All right, cool. Cool, come on. I'm going to put you in the furnace. It was this big furnace. It was hot. He put it three times hotter. He threw the guys in there, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And... As they're in there, the king sees, like, I don't understand. I see one extra person there. Well, I thought there was three. And he turned the fire up even more. People that were standing around the furnace were burnt. After whatever, how so long they were in there, king ordered, you know what? Turn off the, the, the furnace. They came out. They didn't have a scar on them. They didn't have a hair burnt on them. Nothing. No hair. They didn't smell like smoke. Nothing at all. They chose, you know what? I'm not going to bow down to your God. And whatever happens, if God decides to save me, amen, if not, I go out living for God. And they decided, you know what, I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm not going to do what everybody else. So they could have bowed down and worshiped their God. But they say, you know what, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to bow down to any idol. And God had their back. And it's funny because of their names. You know, um, uh, Azariah, the Lord is my help. God helped them there, right? Lord is gracious. Hananiah, Hananiah was in there. God was in there in the midst of them. And a little side note, this is just right now that God's put in my spirit. You may be going through something. You may be going through a furnace. You may be, the fire is built up in your life. You're going through so much in your life right now. But God is in the midst. And that one hair is going to be burnt. Nothing is going to happen to you. 
God's got your back. God is with you in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the storm. God is with you. So we look at this story here, right? Idols. They, they decided not to bow down to that idol, to that God. But how, many, how many people know, we really, nowadays, we don't see nobody bowing down to statues, bowing down to this. But in our hearts, we bow down to certain things. We have certain idols in our lives, right? One could be work. Yes, and it's those things that are good. Work is good. But sometimes you work too much that you don't spend time with God. It's all about, I got to make the money today. I got to, you know, do this. I got to, yes, okay. But what about your time with God where you put so much, you know, time into work that no time is spent with God? Where's God in the midst of your life? And that becomes an idol. It becomes a, a God in your life. Liturgy. Where that's all, everything that takes the place. An idol is something that takes the place of, of God. Something you put before God. So there may be certain idols in your life. It may be a relationship that you're in. Are you making an idol? Oh, God, I, you know what? I, I can't go to church today. I can't, you know, I can't pray today. I can't do this because I got to go out with my girl. I got with my boy. You know, we're going to the movies. We're doing this. It could be money. It could be clothes. An idol. You know, somebody says, you sneak up. Whoa, what are you doing? These are my joints. I paid $300 for them. You know? Then, you know, somebody talks about God. Uh, you know, you know. Or whatever the case may be. You, you get more offended with your clothes, but... You don't get offended when, you know. So there's certain idols, you know, in our lives that we must break, like Merck spoke about a few weeks ago, and not bow down to them. And there are certain idols that maybe the world bows down to, celebrities, you know. You dress like them, look like them, you know, and, and, and you do whatever for them, you know. Certain idols, we don't bow down. Even though the world is bowing down to them, Let's not bow down to them. Let's choose, again, not to follow the crowd and bow down to what the world is bowing down to. That's how we got one five revolution, to be the one out of the five to not follow the crowd. Everybody else may be following the crowd, but you know what? I'm going to choose like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm not going to do what they do. I'm not going to go out and, and, and get high and, and smoke and sleep around and do whatever. I'm not going to do that. We always see a one in five people. You know, and I, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the truth. I looked up in Google. It said... One in five people pee in the pool. All right? So you count one, two, three, four, five. I got a point because I want you know, everybody to get offended. But one, two, three, four, five, pee in the pool. You know, you always hear one in five person does this. One in five people do this. What happens if one in five young people or even adults says, you know what? I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm not going to do what they're doing. I'm going to stay home. Instead of going out today, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to get in the word, you know, instead of going out and, and, and getting drunk and stuff like that. You know, one out of five in your crew to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Yes, you may get, you know, you may get um, uh, taunted. You may get spoken about. Just like these guys, they were, you know, they, they were talked about. They were thrown in the furnace. They were, you know, hated it. They were beat up on, you know. So let's not follow the crowd. Now you ask, but how, how is that? These guys went through all this stuff. They got the name changed. You know, they try to change the identity. They took them to school. They try to indoctrinate them and teach them something that's, that's contrary to the word of God. They didn't bow down to this idol. How is it that? I don't, I don't get it. How is it? How is it? If you look at, you know, um, uh, Daniel said that they came from a warrior, a warrior family. You know, people, you know, in, in government, you know, he came from the tribe of Judah, those who love God, those who love to worship God, you know, came from a warrior lineage, you know. Jesus came from there. David, everybody came from there. So... Uh, connection there. If, if you, can you give me some um, Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 10? 
Lost connection. iPad. <laughs> what you call it? Um, but yeah, so you're wondering, like, how is it that he went through all of this and still stood his ground? What is it? What, what, what was it? It was two things. First of all, his parents, again, he came from a, a, a place, for a family that, that just loved God, were worshipers. So that means that his parents at a young age taught him everything. It started at home. Now we're going back to why I said that. It starts at home. It starts with the parents. Okay? In Deuteronomy 6, 4, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, everything that's within you, and put it in your heart. Put that in your heart. Love God with everything that's within you, with all your heart. You put your everything into it, with all your strength, with all your affections, with your will. God, I'm, whatever you want me to do, I'm here. I'm going to do it. That's loving God with all your heart. Thinking about him, you know. Uh, praying, spending time with him. It's about relationship. God calls us parents to do that first. It starts at home as parents. We must first love God. Before we can teach our kids anything, First, we must set the example. Why? Because you can tell a kid, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. But then they see you doing something about, Ma, Pa, how are you telling me not to do this? But look at you. Look at you. Look at what you're doing. You know? Oh, um, you, know, you know, son, daughter, you know, don't, don't, don't go sleeping around. Don't, you know, save yourself till you're married. But, um, hello, you have a guy home every day of, you know, every day, but like once a week you have a different guy coming over. And you're telling me to save myself? How can I save myself when I see you doing what you're telling me not to do? You know? Oh, son, you know, don't, don't be going out getting high. But, yeah, you're you know, rolling up a blunt and, 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 and smoking in the room, you know? Or getting drunk or whatever the case may be. You tell, you know, your kids, don't do it. But, but then again, you're doing it yourself. So we must first, as parents, love God with all your heart. Have a relationship. Have a relationship with him. Spend time with him, you know? Obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Do as he says. So that way your child can follow you. How many times, you know, my son sees me doing something and, 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 and he goes and follows the same thing. And does the same thing. Papi, no, don't do that. I mean, it's nothing bad, but just, you know, he's not ready for that. Don't do that. And he follows me. Because kids will do what they see you doing. And it doesn't change when you get older. You know, kids see you doing something. They're going to follow ahead and do the same thing. So it starts at home. It starts with parents. You loving God first. Right? Then after, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. What's after that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Cool, thank you. So the first we do, love God with all our mind, all our heart, all our soul. Second, second thing we do, right, is we get them inside of your children. Get that word inside of your children. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Get that inside of your children, right? Another version, the contemporary version says, tell them, tell your children over and over, love God. Puppy, love God. Daughter, love God. With all your heart, with everything. Spend time with him. Love on him. You know, get, get in his word. It's, 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 uh, I'll wait, I'll wait. Another one says impress. Impress, which means to apply pressure. To leave an imprint. 
Let's speak the word of God over them. Leave an imprint in their heart, in their lives, so they can have their word hidden in the heart. Do your best to teach it to your children. That's another version. Do your best to teach it to your children. What way? I have to teach my child how to pray? Wait, wait, hold on. Wait. I got to teach my child how to read the word? Wait, wait, I got to teach my child what the word says? Yeah, yes, yes. So many times we leave the, the, you know, the, 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 the teaching of the Bible to the children's worker, to the, to the youth worker, to the pastor. But in the word of God, it says the parents are the ones that are responsible for teaching the children first. It starts at home, guys. It starts at home with you guys. Why is it so important? God trusted you guys with those children. God trusted you. God trusted me with my child. You know, thank God. Amen. You know, so it's my responsibility as a parent to teach him God's ways. Train your child in the way that he should go. It's our responsibility as parents to train our children. Then after that, what happens is once we train our children, then when your child comes to church, it just we just reinforce what you taught your child. It reinforces that you taught, you taught your child this and this and that. You know, uh, God created, you know, heaven and earth and, and everything else. We come in and we reinforce that. And why is it important that, 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 that as parents we teach our children? Because you have the most impact, you have the most influence over them. They're in school over 35 hours a week. School starting next week or two weeks. They're in school over, over 35 hours a week. They're being bombarded with evolution, with homosexuality, with this and this and that, right? But if the parents... At home, would be like, you know what, son, what daughter? You're going to hear this in school about evolution. You're going to hear this in school about that. But God says this. That way you already prepare them. So when they hear that, they're not, you know, confused. Like, man, you know, I, I never knew this. You know, if you never talk to your children about the word and the creation and, and sex, they're going to fall for that stuff. If your child doesn't, you know, stand for anything, they're going to fall for, if your child doesn't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So if you don't teach him God's word, that he evolution, oh man, you know, everything just came together, so God doesn't exist. You know, but if you impressed it in their heart, if you taught your children, you know, that God created heaven, earth, everything that's in this world, then they're not going to be misled by what's taught in school. So as parents, it's our responsibility to teach our children. They also be bombarded with their friends and the media and stuff that they see on the TV, you know, uh, music videos, stuff that they hear. And just to go back to the to, to the, the homosexuality thing, God's put it in my heart. I know sometimes you know sometimes you see on TV people bashing homosexuals. You know, I mean, you know, like they belong in hell. You know, they, they they God hates them and stuff like that from certain people, from certain pastors. And I don't know if anybody here is you know going through something like that, or maybe you know you're you're, you're homosexual. I want to apologize on behalf of those people. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. God just hates the sin. But God doesn't hate you. And I just want to share, it's just in my heart right now. Because so many times, you know, as, as, as you know, pastors or, you know, believers of the word, they come and they start saying, you know, hating a homosexual. No, we're supposed to love on them, not hate on them. Accept them. Amen? <clears throat> So, yeah. So, it starts at home with you guys. It's, 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 
Is your child saying, you know what, I want to be like my dad. My dad is a believer. My dad prays. I want to be like my mom. You know, my mom, you know, it's, it's, she's a prayer warrior. She believes God. I've seen God, you know, provide for us when we had no food on the table. God still provided. I want to have faith like, like my parents. Or your children saying, uh, I don't want to go to church. I, 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 I don't want to. Mom is, is one away in church and hallelujah and praise the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And when I get home, bleep, 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 you know, bleep, 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 bleep. A totally different person. Is your child saying, you know what? I want to have a relationship like my parents do. They always love each other. They, they're there for each other. Times get rough. They're there. Or your parents or, or your children saying, you know what? I, I don't want a relationship. I don't want to get married because look at the way my mom and father always argue. What are your children saying? What are your children saying? I want to be like Papi. I want to be like Mommy. I want to preach like, like Daddy or Mommy. I want to do this. Or, or, or you give them a, just a thing like, you know what? I don't want to be like my parents. The next thing. Hmm. Hallelujah. You know what? Let's just bow our heads real quick. Hallelujah, Jesus, Lord. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Father God, for each and every parent in this place, oh God, Lord, that you brought here in this place, God, that you've given them a child, oh Father God, Lord Jesus. And Father God, I, I, I know, Father God, just as the prayer was said before, there's an answered prayer today, God. And I pray, God, that you may continue to work in the hearts of your children today, Father God, the parents in this place, oh God. I just pray, God, right now that you may show them, Father God, areas in their life, Father God, where maybe, you know what, maybe that, that, that is me. Maybe I haven't um, been loving God first. I haven't been the example. I've been telling my child not to do this and, and not to do that, but I've been doing it. I haven't been studying the example. I haven't been loving you first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you stay in there right there? Just Search your heart. Be like, God, show me. Is there, is there an area in my life where I'm just like slacking, God? And I'm not, you know, maybe I haven't been teaching my son the Bible. Maybe I haven't been teaching my daughter the Bible where it should have been my responsibility. And there may be some of you here that, you know what? Yes, you, you have been praying and, and, and you've been doing your part. You've been doing your part and, 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 and training your child in the way that he or she should go. You've been doing your part in, in, in praying and in setting the example, but for some reason your child has left. For some reason your child just... Because you, you can do what you can. You do your part. But then the child has to do his part. I encourage you, parents, if you have a child that... Stop serving the Lord. Continue to pray for your child. Continue to believe God and center His word that me and my house 
shall serve the Lord. And there may be some of you here that, you know what? My mom doesn't serve God. My dad doesn't serve God, but I serve God. Still stand on that word that me and my house shall serve the Lord. Me and my mom and my father and my sister and my brother and my cousin are going to be here worshiping one day with me. One day. One day. I don't know if I mentioned earlier before, but there's two reasons why these young men stood for God. First, because their parents loved God. The parents taught them the word of God. But second, the young people, the young guys had to make a decision, I'm going to stand for Christ. The young men said, I know what mommy and daddy taught me. And they put it in my head and put it in my head and put it in my head. But they had to make a decision for themselves. You know what? I'm going to choose to not follow the crowd. I'm going to choose to stand for God today. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. God, I I stand today and I'm saying I'm not going to bow down to the idols that my friends are bowing down to. So if that's you today, if you need prayer, if you're saying, you know what? I haven't been setting the example. I haven't been teaching my kids. Maybe you're going through a rough time and, and, and you know, the family right now, your, your kids are wilding out and they're doing crazy stuff. And, and you're doing the right thing, but things are just not, you know, coming together. I ask you, the prayer team could come up and we have people to pray for you today, to encourage you. Because you're not alone. You have people here to encourage you. Need somebody to pray for you and, and hold and, and agree for your, your family member to be saved. You just need a shoulder to cry on. You just need something just to vent out. The altar's open. Is there any young people in this place that are saying, you know what? Today I choose not to follow the crowd. Today I choose, you know what? I'm tired of following, you know, and this is young and older. If you're a young adult, if you're, today I choose, I've been following the wrong crowd. I've been doing the wrong things. And today I choose to live for Christ. Today I choose I'm not going to follow the crowd. Because the wrong crowd has gotten me to the wrong way. So family, know that it starts at home. It starts with you.